How do you do? The Box Office Pulp Board feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We're about to unfold a cinematic commentary track, made by a group of men who sought to create a podcast after their own ravings, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with three great mysteries of the internet, analysis, observation, and deconstruction. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel you'd not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Now, to pause and refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand in the lobby, with buttered popcorn, golden good and hot from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich, plus delicious Dr. Pepper, so bright and bracing with a tang and tingle unmatched by any other beverage. Enjoy an ice-cold Dr. Pepper at our beverage stand right now, and then return to fully appreciate this bop and a movie commentary track. Enjoy. and gentlemen welcome to box office pulp your one-stop podcast for movies madness moxie and tonight a trip down monster memory lane i'm pretty sure i've used that line eight times in this podcast so far bonus points if you can find all of them as we revisit the og kaiju versus kaiju movie with king kong versus godzilla that's not actually true because like kaiju versus kaiju goes all the way through all these movies it's like godzilla raids again really started that but whatever king kong versus godzilla what a film I'm your host, Cody. Joining me tonight for this bop in a movie are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Do you think the spines coming out of Godzilla's back make it hard to sleep? Oh, undoubtedly. Does he sleep? Isn't it like horses? They sleep standing up, right? I imagine Godzilla just kind of props up on his tail. Well, he is usually in the Earth's core, so I imagine he'd have to. King of the wait, Monsters how did, how did is King... on stomach, wait, how... I guess, but I, it just sleep on your stomach is not comfortable. Wait, how do kangaroos sleep? Because Godzilla has to sleep like a kangaroo, right? They're basically They're built demons. the same. Who cares? All right, seeing the inside of a kangaroo's co-host? pocket. No, why would I? It's I'm fucking American. weird. Look it up. I don't wanna. It sounds gross. Uh, and say hello to our other co-host, Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. <laughs> I've been thinking. You think being uh, one of the King Kongs? Uh, you think that's like a the Santa Claus situation? where, like, a new Kong has to take over whenever one of the old ones die? Or do you think there's, like, a whole, like, bunch of these out there, and it's, like, a to-every-ape-an-island situation? Well, I mean, going off the original 33 Kong, he dies, and then the son of Kong takes over, right? He's just a kid, but he'll grow into the role. Uh, It's very much a Lion King situation where, you know, he goes away and eats bugs for a few years and then comes back and learns the value of leadership. But in the other King Kongs, I mean... Skull Eye, or uh, the, the Peter Jackson version, that, that looked like the last Kong. And uh, the Monarch verse really sets it up that this King Kong that we're seeing is the last of his kind, right? They, they make it all kind of an extinction story. 
you run out of Kong, there's no more in the store. See, I there's always no take no more in the store. <laughs> See, I've always taken it as kind of a racism thing, which is we just name every giant monkey we see King Kong and assume it's the same goddamn one when there's actually multiple giant monkeys. Well, we, oh, it's we, like we, in America we, back in the day when they took every Italian strongman movie and named it Hercules. Yep. Kind of, but the, how does that explain Mighty Joe Young, Mike? Fuck Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> <gasps> Terrible. Hey, he protected Charlize to the Ron, pal. Well, I don't even want to do this podcast anymore, hate, but we're going to do it anyway. Here's my problem with Mighty Joe Young. He tries to get by being a giant ape, but he's not really giant. He's just, he's not as big as King Kong, but he's just kind of big. Well, he's not King Joe Young. He's he's mighty Joe Young. He's bigger That's than not your impressive. normal just chimpanzee, right? Just fucking kill it. Kill it. He's an abomination. Well, that's like saying he's, anyone he's, who's he's not the, a basketball he, player should die because we're not six foot eight, which might be I true. Mean, I mean, have you ever read early Batman? <laughs> Okay, I would consider Mighty Joe Young less of a kaiju and more like some, an ape with a medical condition. Like, uh, like he's not a giant ape. He's the world's tallest ape. He's like one of those uh, Victorian like tall men. Yes, yes, with the giant shoes. Yeah, now we're making this sad. I'm moving giant on. Shoes. Let's talk about alcohol. Here's a, here, here's a, like, a dumb, useless kaiju fact. Um, Thank you, Mike. Before King Kong versus Godzilla, there were like two other Japanese King Kong movies, but they're I think pre-war, so they're like gone. Um, one of them though was just the plot was literally a dude who puts on a King King Kong costume and does shit. Uh, the other one, no <laughs> one knows whether or not he's a giant kaiju or just like an ape man, because all there is is a poster, and in one image he's gigantic, and the other he's man size, so it's just confusing. I would say probably man size because posters like to exaggerate. That's true. He looks terrifying. Well, look, I recommend looking up. Well, look at Mighty Joe Young, who went from man size to giant from scene to scene. <laughs> it's old timey movies, Mike. They don't know what scale is. They they're, still, they're still trying Seriously. to learn how to film in focus. That's why uh, Bride of Frankenstein was so terrifying. It had those little people in jars, but they were next to regular sized people, and the audience didn't know what was happening. Oh my god, look how small oh god, they are. The they can crawl up inside you and do things. Ugh, I don't like the way I, you I don't, that. Oh no, the tiny king is within me. I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> He's driving oh, me Pretorius. around like one of those aliens from Men in Black. <laughs> why, is it, why, why is it Ratatouille but inside? I don't... <laughs> this little king man pulling on your sinews. I don't like it. <laughs> oh no, he's horny as well. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, my. Put him back in his this jaw. Damn you, Pretorius. <laughs> so anyways, folks, in typical bop in a movie fashion, we have an official drink for this evening. If you want to drink along with the movie as we watch it. Actually, there's two drinks. So let's start with official drink number one, the Chunky Monkey. So ingredients-wise, you're going to need one and a quarter ounce of creme de banana. One ounce of creme de coco, a quarter cup of uh, chocolate syrup or a fudge, uh, three scoops of chocolate ice cream, one cup of milk, and for garnish, some banana chips or just chunks of banana if you don't want to get fancy. And uh, for mine, I got a bamboo skewer and I put some dark chocolate covered raspberry and goji berries on it. It's very delicious. Nice. But you don't have to get that fancy. It's your life. You can just make the ice cream drink. It's decadent enough, right? 
So I'm making this guy. You're just going to take all the non-garnish and chocolate syrup ingredients, toss them into a blender, and then run that until it's smooth. Pour about a quarter cup into a glass, layer on some chocolate syrup, rinse and repeat until you have a full glass. Don't be like me, fill it to the top and then drop a banana in it because you will end up with chocolate everywhere in your house. Somehow it'll just scoot all over your house. It's awful. So leave yourself a little bit of room for the banana. Uh, as to why I picked this drink for King Kong versus Godzilla, it, it, honestly, it's it's the Chunky Monkey. I didn't go very deep here. It, I, it's I think it was self-explanatory, Cody. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's what it is. So I'm going to take a sip of this right now. Unfortunately, it's been sitting out for a while, so my, my chocolate's starting to get a little lukewarm. Ah, that is delicious. It's it's banana, chocolate, a lot of sugar. Very good. Highly recommended. For our second drink, this one is my own creation, so we'll see how this turned out. I call it the Burning Godzilla Kiwi Nada. It's based on a manga nada, only I have replaced the mango with kiwi. So what you're going to want is about a cup and a half of frozen kiwi. You're going to need um, about two teaspoons of sugar, more or less, depending on how sweet you want this thing. A quarter ounce of lime juice, a third cup of cold water to change consistency. If it's a little thick for you, you can put that water in there and kind of thin it out. Two ounces of silver tequila, a half ounce of sour apple schnapps and a quarter cup of chamoy. Now you can buy chamoy sauce. I'm also gonna tell you how to make your own uh, in case you don't have that in your grocery store. Uh, and then for mine, I also threw in some tahini seasoning. And for the garnish, I've got teriyaki beef jerky, extra uh, flaming Hot Crunchy Cheetos for lining the rim, and uh, those seaweed snack sheets to wrap the jerky in. So for making this guy, one, get about six kiwis, scoop the fruit out of them, uh, dice the fruit up, throw it into the freezer, you don't really want the skin in there. You can eat the skin, but it throws off the color and the texture is a little funky. While those kiwi bits are freezing, go ahead and make the chamoy sauce. Uh, so for that, you're going to need a full cup of apricot jam, a quarter cup of lime juice, a half teaspoon of cayenne pepper, one and a half teaspoons of chipotle seasoning, and a half teaspoon of tahini seasoning. You're going to take all those ingredients, throw them into a food processor, and process that until you get a nice smooth sauce. Okay, so now you've got your sauce. You've got your frozen kiwi slices. Next up, you want to prep a chilled margarita glass by running a notched lime around the rim of the glass. Get some juice on there so it'll stick. Uh, then I just took a large handful of the Flaming Hot Cheetos, mashed them up into a powder, and just rim the glass like it was seasoning salt. Word of warning, if you don't drink it right away, that Cheeto dust is going to get soggy, and boy, it's, it's a weird mix. So now you've got your glass prepared. Next up, blend the frozen kiwi, the sugar, the lime juice, and the water in a blender until it's all pureed. Then you want to add your alcohols, so the tequila and the sour apple schnapps, and pulse blend that until you get a good mix. Uh, from that point, if the consistency isn't good, you can throw some ice cubes in there. You can throw more water in there if you want to thicken it up or thin it out. I personally like mine a little bit more frozen and thick, so I went with a, a bunch of ice. Just get that good smoothie texture your preference, do it how you want. Then put about a third cup of the mix into a margarita glass. Put in a layer of tahini seasoning on top of your mix, and then drop in the chamoy sauce. Not all of it, but just enough to kind of cover that top layer. Throw another third cup of margarita, more salt, more chamoy, keep going until you reach the top of the glass. For the garnish, all I did was I took a piece of that teriyaki beef jerky and just wrapped in that sheet of seaweed, 
plopped it right in there. Nothing fancy. There you go. I'm going to take a sip of this for the first time, instead of just licking the hot Cheeto off the rim. And let's see if I've made an abomination to God. That is delicious. I'm actually Ooh. impressed I made something that's not garbage. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. It's I took it's a little spicy. nap there. Hot, spicy. So a little bit of mix of everything. So the reason I went with this, I, I pulled my friends and I tried to figure out what people imagined Godzilla tasted like. And the answers I got were kiwi, Midori. Three people said lime. One person said anger. Uh, sour apple. Apple Jolly Rancher, Grass Flavored Birdie Bots, Every Flavor Jelly Bean, uh, Mountain Dew Baja Blast, Blue Raspberry, Black Licorice, Iguana Jerky, Vanilla, Mesquite Barbecue, Spicy Mud with Sprinkles, two people said Charcoal, Mint, uh, Nuclear Chicken, Black Cherry, Seaweed Teriyaki, Fireball, uh, Protein Powder slash Something Thick with two C's, and my favorite answer, Oreo, Traditional, because he's crunchy on the outside but probably sweet and gooey on the inside. Wait, this is why you're asking everybody what Godzilla tasted like? I thought you were just drunk. No, in fact, Cody, I'm sober. I, I was preparing to get drunk. Jamie, let's just be happy there was a reason. Yeah. That's, you're lucky I didn't go to Twitter. Yeah. We could have started a war. <laughs> Different. Hey, we still haven't things. determined whether or not Godzilla's a good guy. That, that Twitter poll still hangs in the balance. That's true. I should renew that. Anyways, so after taking that poll, I tried to put as many of those flavors into one drink without making it a horrible sludge. I think it came out pretty good. We've got the lime, the kiwi, the sour apple, and the garnish covers the folks that suggested forms of meat, uh, along with the seaweed. A couple of people said spicy things, so that's why we've got flaming hot Cheetos and the chamoy sauce. It's all there, right? We did it. We made a thematic, appropriate drink that doesn't taste like horse piss. I think it's time to watch some Godzilla versus King. I'm sorry, King Kong versus Godzilla. I'm gonna get that backwards every time. Folks at home, you know how a commentary track works. But we'll explain anyways. We're going to talk over the movie. You can listen to us as a standalone podcast, or you can try and sync with us as we turn the film on with your own copy of the film. So it's like we're, we're in your house talking to you the whole time while you're trying to watch this movie you enjoy. It's going to be great. Mike, do you want to count said, us down? Well, first, have we said which uh, cut of this movie we're watching for the folks at home? Solid point, Jamie. This is the American cut of King Kong vs. Godzilla. You'll know you have the American cut if it's 90 minutes long. The Japanese cut is uh, about 7 minutes longer, about an hour 37. Uh, also, I think you can only find it in America on Blu-ray if you have like the Criterion collection uh, of the Showa-era films of Godzilla. Yeah. And it's on a bonus disc, so you've you got to kind of hunt for it. And the whole thing will be in Japanese. That's, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah, you can find the Japanese version pretty much everywhere. Just not really officially, except on the Criterion edition, randomly. I blame Toho. Yeah, no, that's definitely Toho's fault. Uh, speaking of it being on the Criterion collection, um, this is true of most official versions at this point, so ours will start with the Criterion logo. So if yours starts with the Criterion logo, uh, you're you're good. If it, for whatever reason, it doesn't, um, for, you know, if you... If you're writing it like digitally or something, it just happens to not, even though I think most of those versions have that. If they're going off the restored version, you know, it's only a couple seconds, so you won't really actually be that far off. Just maybe like, wait a sec, wait up, maybe like three or four seconds. Don't get scared. We're right behind you. We're technically right in front of you. Uh -huh. Okay. I'm going to count to three. After I say three, I'll press play. One, two, three. Monkey business. You're, oh, man. 
I bet they're mad they didn't use that as a title. <laughs> All right, folks. So here's your movie facts. This is directed by Shiro Hondo. Hondo was famous for his kaiju movies. He directed and wrote the original Godzilla, uh, Rodan, Mothra, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, Frankenstein Conquers the World, Invasion of the Astro Monster, uh, The War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, Destroy All Monsters, All Monsters Attack, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Space Amoeba, uh, something called Dogura, which I'm not familiar, but it's on the list. Dogura. Uh, and a... Thank you. And a bunch of non-kaiju science fiction films. So, stayed busy. Uh, the American sections of the film were directed by Tom Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery's IMDb page is pretty sparse. His credits only cover about the 1960s, where he started as an actor and then moved on to television directing. So, the American cut of this film, anytime you go to a newsroom and there's an American explaining the plot of the film or covering anything that feels like a plot gap. Uh, that was Tom Montgomery just trying to pace this thing together. Our screenplay is by Shinichi Sekikaza... I've uh, tripped over my own tongue. Sekizawa. Shinichi worked for Honda on many, most of his kaiju films. I don't think he was on the first Godzilla, but the ones after that. KK vs. Godzilla is a pretty good example of the tone he tended to aim for. A little more lightweight and fun than some of the earlier, more serious kaiju films. Uh, the American reshoot sections were written by Paul Mason and Bruce Howard. Howard had a ton of television writing credits going through the 80s for shows like The Dukes of Hazard, Punky Brewster, The Love Boat, The Brady Bunch, and uh, a bunch of Red Skelton. Mason, on the other hand, got into producing and was a production manager as well. Uh, he was actually a producer for Killer Clowns from Outer Space which is a wonderful connection in my mind that the, the man responsible for what we're currently watching would go on to Killer Clowns from Outer Space, an all-time <laughs> classic of Killer Clowns. <laughs> I also want to point out, so in this American section, they have to explain the, the red berries. They're still a part of the Japanese cut of the film, but they're just rambling on this desk, and the reporter has to pull one out and start eating it and be like, oh, they harvest these on Godzilla or King Kong's Island. Us not having enough of these is a plot point later, but here's a whole jar. <laughs> I like how, for the American versions, it was just, you know, we could just dub it, but no, let's try to fuck with the plot as much as possible. <laughs> let's insert as much America in this intensely Japanese story as possible. The, yeah, the, the Japanese cut, honestly, is better. <laughs> Folks at home, you're, you're watching the inferior cut of the film. It really is. The Japanese yeah. one is, is much better. That's what's very so, frustrating about the Japanese. Someone go. Oh, I was just going to say, the Japanese cut does still open with, like, a an, a science news program bleeding uh, away from, like, the whole, like, globe, like a cosmic opening. And I, I love how in the in that cut going from this really austere opening into a really shitty children's science show into a bunch of corporate dudes squabbling is really funny and well pulled off. Trying to do the exact same thing in the American cut does not work at all. <laughs> it's it's much clunkier. No I had one to watch that the opening American twice cut. in the American cut to see that it was... Like, the opening was actually the opening to this TV show, and we weren't just talking to God for a minute. <laughs> it does have, like, that kind of, like, 1950s short film feeling to it. Like, hey, hello, I'm God. 
Um, no one <laughs> making the American version seems to be aware that the Japanese version was a comedy. Well, definitely, it's satirizing uh, just Japanese television. So yeah. I, I, somehow they missed that. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but somehow they it's didn't feel like that obvious. was the way to go for their film. It's the only thing the movie's about. There's not there's not a whole lot of King Kong versus Godzilla. And that's there. Yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely the main hook of the movie. So it is very weird that the American version is like, eh, let's minimize that as much as possible. But that's what's uh, such a bummer about the original Japanese version not being widely available. Um just kind of like buried on special features as far as like a US release goes. Um what's interesting though is I mean it doesn't look good if you if you watch the on the special features it looks like VHS quality because there was Yeah, the inserts, the extra scenes that were cut out are are still in DVD quality. They weren't allowed yeah, to put in the um, uh, HD inserts. Pretty much like the original masters were there, there's a whole like convoluted story involving like a film festival and all that. And essentially the, like the original like, non VHS masters of it essentially were kind of like destroyed. But in, I think it's only in 2015, this happened once and no one knows exactly where it came from. Toho showed a 4k restoration of the original Japanese cut on TV in 2015, that one time, <laughs> and that's it. It's I have heard Toho does have like an upsert version of King Kong vs. Godzilla for the Japanese market. Like you can't get a Region One version of that disc, and the, the version I've they gave Criterion was just any kind of release for it. At least that I'm aware of. Still to this day, it's pretty much like uh, how. Lucasfilm has four, a 4K restoration of the original trilogy, but it just won't be released for whatever reason. They just showed it on TV one time. I've seen clips of it. It's beautiful. <laughs> it looks better said... than the fucking than what we're watching right now. <laughs> I mean, the American version of the film actually, most of the scenes look pretty good. There, there's yeah, a couple of spots well. where the special effects. Yeah, there's a couple of spots where the actual special effects cause degradation to the film. So you you just have what you have, like the the current scene we're watching I think looks great. Just to me, the most egregious Anyways, problem with, my with list the of movie uh, facts. with the American version though is this is the movie we get the Godzilla theme, <laughs> and the American version cuts it out. Yeah, we'll get to the soundtrack because that's a weird situation. But uh, a couple things right before that, uh, for our cast in this one, we've got Shiochi Hirose as King Kong. And he is a pretty big name, I would say, in, in like stunt suit stuff. Oh, yeah. He's uh, King Kong here. He's also King Kong in King Kong Escapes. But the man was King Ghidorah in, in a bunch of different movies. So that alone kind of makes him film royalty, right? And uh, playing Godzilla, we have... Oh, God, this stupid scene. <laughs> no, you fool. No. He's so excited. Like, ah, I could die. <laughs> so happy. I just love how excited invincible. this guy is to be hanging out the window. Then he just cuts back to him just swinging like goddamn Spider-Man. Haru <laughs> uh, Nakajima is, is our Godzilla. Nakajima is, is probably one of the more important people in the Godzilla franchise. Uh, he was under the Godzilla costume all the way back from the original until he retired in 1972. If you see Godzilla in a movie from like the Showa era, it's him. 
Uh, he was also Baragon, Mothra, and Rodan at, at different points. So, wow. Man, what a hard job. Just here, put on this 100-pound big rubber suit and sit under these studio lights for a couple of days. So our, our music, in the Japanese version of the film, there's a completely different score than in the American cut. Uh, the, the Japanese version has music by Akira Aifakube. Uh, the American cut of the film has stripped all of his music out and has replaced it with library music from Universal. <laughs> so as you're listening to the film, you'll probably hear stuff that you recognize from Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, and the monster that challenged the world. You'll just get those classic yeah. stingers at random points, which always makes me laugh. Uh, that is this movie's biggest but why, though. I think it kind of works during the octopus attack scene, to be honest. Our cinematography here is by Hajima Kuizumo. Uh, our original editing is by Rico Kaneko. Uh, the American edit is Peter Zinner. Zinner had his work really cut out for him due to how much they reconfigured the film. Uh, so he had to remove and reorder it. He had to intercut the new footage to make the film appear like the events were being shown through a news broadcast. And somehow he had to make the movie make sense because they cut out a lot of plot pieces which is why you get the stuff like them explain what the berries do. There's a part where they randomly have to explain that King Kong is powered by electricity. Yeah, poor guy just had to stick everything together to try and explain these things and make it go smooth. But uh, before anyone thinks poorly of Peter Zinner, he went on to edit The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, The Deer Hunter, and Officer and Gentleman. Like, the guy actually has Oscars for cinema or for, for editing, so... <laughs> Knew what he was doing. My favorite part, he has a cameo in The Hunt for Red October. I don't know why, but he's in that <laughs> film as Admiral Yuri Pidorin. So keep your eyes peeled for him. He has a very small scene. So this movie was released August 11th, 1962 in Japan. It was released June 26th, 1963 in the United States. Uh, this was the third Godzilla film. First Godzilla came out in 1954. The Americanized version, Godzilla King of the Monsters, came out in 56. Godzilla Raids Again came out in 1955. This was also the third King Kong film, official. So the first King Kong was 1933. Son of Kong also came out in 1933, nine months after the first movie. Absolutely blows my mind. They got that movie together so fast. And other than the special effects, it shows. <laughs> So the budget for the complete project is estimated at $620,000. The Japanese cut was $420,000 in, in American money, and uh, the American version tacked on an additional $200,000 to film the extra news segments and re-edit the film. The worldwide box office, though, is approximately $10 million. That was a, an absolutely huge hit in Japan, with about $6 million alone coming from Japan. Uh, it was successful in the United States, but only to about $2.7 million. Godzilla had cost about $275,000 and made $1.6 million in Japan, just as a, a reference point. And the sequel, Godzilla Raids Again, made about $1.5 million in Japan. So for this movie to come out to, to that much, $6 million, huge, huge success. Really weird for a third part in the series, especially when it had been you know, a better part of a decade since we'd last seen a Godzilla movie. And if people are wondering about the King Kong side of the 
you know, the, the business here. The original King Kong was made for $672,000, made $1.8 million in 1933. Uh, and then they keep re-releasing it throughout the 30s and it'd make, you know, like a million dollars a time it came out. Son of Kong cost $269,000 and made $616,000, which is probably why there wasn't a Cousin of Kong or some sort of Bride of Kong to, to round out a trilogy. It really is amazing how after this and King Kong escapes, just nothing. No, nothing until Dilo De Laurentiis sauntered in. <laughs> they, they talked about doing a sequel of this film, another King Kong versus Godzilla, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't make it happen. Yeah, they had a plot I, I think it would be kind of like a... It's yeah, an like insane a Jason plot, deal. by the way. Kong, like, adopts a baby. <laughs> like a, like a, a normal baby? baby. Yeah. It's fucking a human weird. baby. I love that. This is in continuity with the rest of the Godzilla films. Everyone knows who the Godzilla is as soon as he breaks out of the ice. Like no one has to explain to them what Godzilla is. I love that. Like, remember that monster that terrorized the planet eight years ago? He's back. And they immediately discuss him like he's a hurricane. Because yeah, this is still technically supposed to be serious, Godzilla. Well, again, the first Godzilla, serious as a heart attack. The second one, still pretty serious. It's, it, you know, has imagery like a fallout from nuclear war and stuff. It's also pretty stark because the first two are black and white films. This is the first color Godzilla. And all of a sudden, it gets a little jokier. The American cut, I, I think, makes it unintentionally funny in a lot of spots. <laughs> The Japanese version is also going for humor, though, so I, I don't want anyone to have the impression this film was supposed to ever be a, a serious movie. Yeah, it's just, it's smart humor, for the most part. There's actually really good jokes in the Japanese version. Uh, but it should be stated that Honda, Honda didn't want to make a funny movie. Toho was just obsessed with making it funny. So he at least was like, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm doing like a satire or something. Like, I'm gonna... I'm going to do this in an intelligent manner instead of just having people make jokes. Which apparently worked out for everyone because the, the fan response to this was absolutely huge. Uh, sorry, get away from the entire for a genre. Moment. Yeah, let's, yeah. I want to get into that more later, but I love what we're watching right now. It's those classic Godzilla miniatures. The amount of attention to detail here is, is so charming. It's uh, this wonderful handmade quality for all this stuff. These little tanks, the little rocket... Uh, mortar uh, uh, positions. Then we cut to a man in a suit just walking through a big pool. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love it that you can actually so cool. see like bottle rockets bouncing off of the Godzilla costume. Well, what's great is and even I, these I love the tank melting. They actually have like a, a, the tank melting, which I love. You know, it's a goofy little effect, but it looks very good. The way the the uh, the tank heats up, and you can see the artillery kind of glow bright red as it's actually melting. It was, yeah, that's um, why I, I always hate the joke of you know Godzilla just being a guy in a rubber suit stomping around a Power Rangers set. There is so much detail that Toho would put into these sets, all the like little cars and shit. Like they, there was so like it was like a tidy little uh, mechanical world they had to create yeah, for it, Godzilla to completely artistry. fuck up. There's um I I you know I can't remember who this quote generated from, from, so I apologize. 
And I believe it was actually from the lead up to the making of this movie. Like it was one of the actresses watching Gojira uh, with one of the other actors, uh, maybe one of the suit actors. I forget exactly off the top of my head. And um, there was like a miniature scene and she started to laugh at it. And he stopped. He stopped her and went, no, 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 do not laugh. It was like a scene of, um, like, construction equipment or something, like, just doing stuff, like, dropping dirt. And he said, he had a great quote, which was, Honda could have, for much cheaper, just pointed a camera at some, you know, uh, digging equipment that were just uploading and unloading dirt and filmed it real quick, and it would have cost way less money, actually, than the miniatures. The miniatures is like it has nothing to do with looking cheap or looking expensive. It's a it's an aesthetic. It's it's a style that's being gone for. Like it has nothing to do with like attempting to look realistic or anything like that. Like it's just an aesthetic. And honestly, I think it's yeah. something that makes the movies timeless. Because you can watch them now yeah. and you realize that was something someone had to go in and actually physically make by hand and practice and get all the wire work down. You can you can tell with that stuff it doesn't age the same way. You can tell even yeah. at the time it didn't probably look realistic, but that's okay. Yeah. That's not what they wanted. Yeah, well, it's it's another one of those like cultural differences. Like in the in the United States, it would be we need to get out of this style of filmmaking like as quickly as possible with technology because it looks cheap. Like we don't want it to look cheap. Where for Japan, it was never really like it looking cheap had nothing to do with anything. Like it that didn't matter. Like, it was just a, a style of special effect, a style of filmmaking. Like, the the feeling that it evoked was it is completely different to them versus how it is to us. Oh, that's what I adore about tokusatsu. It, it wears its artifice on its sleeve, so it has a blank check to do whatever the fuck it wants. Who cares if it looks realistic? It just has to look fun. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. That's a good way to say it. Uh, unfortunately, not fun. This is a running thing in the the Showa era kaiju movies. There, there's a lot of instances of Japanese actors essentially wearing blackface. Yeah, and they um were yeah, actually supposed to film in Costa Rica without mm -hmm. any of this brown face stuff going on, um, but. Arkea, with how much Arkea was charging for Kong, uh, they could not pull that off. Same reason why they kind of wanted Kong to be stop motion still, which would have been fucking great. Like, I would love to have seen Man in Godzilla though. fighting yeah. stop motion Godzilla, uh, stop motion King Kong. But yeah, so they were just like, we just need to film this on a on a beach somewhere. Oh yeah, I remember they they apparently ran the numbers on that, and that would have been astronomically expensive to pull off, and probably yeah. would have taken a couple of extra years just to figure out how to blend that. I have to say, I do love it whenever there's an island scene and it's not on a real island; like they just have a soundstage made up. Artificial islands in movies is something I always love seeing. Artificial islands and artificial woods are some of my favorite things. Yes. What I love so, about every artificial island is it just looks like a beach blanket bongo movie is about to break out at any moment. 
Yeah, I can see that. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I think Mothra has a little bit of this too. A lot. And a couple yeah. others that I am yeah that I'm blanking on where you know they they go to an island and they they bump into the Aboriginal people there and they're just Japanese folks made up in in black or brown face and you know they're treated like oh savages. It's unfortunate. I think American audiences tend to think it's just America that does this kind of stuff, and it's it's unfortunately a global deal. Oh, blackface is still a problem in Japan. It's very weird watching this cut of the movie and the Japanese cut because all of the comedy lines here are essentially rewritten. Like in the, in the Japanese cut, the sidekick character isn't constantly trying to lead the island. He's just like afraid of things on the island or saying different stuff that pertains to their situation. The American version is like, let's amp this up to 11 and every one of his lines is going to be something about like, let's get out of here. Here, I want to leave. Let me skedaddle. For some reason, the American version just really makes the guys cowards, which I don't know why they went that route. Uh, again, I feel like it's a, a lot of it is just them n them taking everything so at face value that they didn't even realize the movie was trying to be funny in these instances. So they're adding comic relief onto something that's already comic relief. It, yeah, I mean, like the reactions from the guys are already pretty exaggerated, so it's easy to lay that on top. <laughs> we just have to wonder, like. Isn't this redundant? <laughs> they're, they're, you can kind of, of feel like that didn't need to be done. Uh, like American studio executives looked at looked at the Japanese version and thought this is stupid in an unintentional funny way, and we're gonna make it actually funny. Instead, this is the unintentional like opposite. Yeah, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> this scene brought uh, to you by uh, smoking. It's Smoking. <laughs> Blaze up, Jimmy. Also, in the American version, they change it to your mom. But in the Japanese version, it's uh, they're worried that a cop will come along. <laughs> Which is a better joke. A little tweak. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that weirds me out, instead of keeping Skull Island, we're now on Pharaoh Island. So this King Kong is clearly not supposed to have any continuity with the original RKO version of the monster. It's Carl <laughs> Island. To pay RKO. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that, Mike? It's Carl Island in the Japanese version. Uh, still, you know, it's not Skull Island, which we it's me very weird. Karo is like Japanese but for Skull. It's so strange to me that it's like... RKO licensed King Kong. They couldn't really make it Skull Island. Kong couldn't look like King Kong. Part of the reason why they didn't really push the stop motion thing is it, it would just separate this Kong from that King Kong even more. Mm. It's like, why'd you license King Kong out then? If you're like, please, just he can't be King Kong at all, but you can call him King Kong. Like, it's so weird. Right. And and for people who aren't familiar with the, the backstory of this movie, well, they, they really wanted... To to make this not King Kong at first. Like, the Americans came up with the idea of, essentially, you know, what if we had, like, King Kong fight someone else, right? Wasn't it, like, gargantuans? Like, they wanted him to fight uh, Frankenstein or something along it was got, It was King Kong versus Frankenstein. And it's honestly... I can't do this plot justice, so I'm not going to try. I'd look it up. It's 
pretty fucking cool, actually, and I really want someone to make this idea. Essentially, it would have been like a descendant of Victor Frankenstein. Pretty much, like, puts a bunch of dead monsters together, like a bunch of dead animals, and brings it back to life to create, like, this Frankenstein kaiju that's like a bunch of sewn-together creatures that then King Kong fights. And we should mention, too, this idea and, and the, the push for the concept came from Willis O'Brien, who was, who was one of the original workers on King Kong from the 30s. Like, that was his baby. And he's like, nope, we need more Kong. So in the 60s, he started going around pushing this idea for a Frankenstein versus Kong movie, which didn't take off. Eventually, the idea was picked up by RKO and moved over to a, a trade with Toho because Toho really wanted to make a King Kong film. And... Toho got it. They rewrote the script. They decided, let's not do Frankenstein or the Promethean or whatever name they're going with at the time. Let's just slap Godzilla in here. Well, they thought that Universal had the rights to the name Frankenstein when actually they just had the rights to the makeup. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can't do the, that's which is why they changed it to, a couple of years later when he did. Yeah. Which is why they changed it to the Promethean at one point. But it just there's concept art of that creature too. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, he basically just looks like a giant monster Frankenstein King Kong, which really tickles me because essentially Willis O'Brien came up with Mecha Godzilla like 20 years ago. (laughs) I mean, it's not a sequel, but King Kong escapes the the next time we see Kong in Toho. He goes against Mecha Kong, so they they were always about making weird knockoff versions of King Kong. What I love is Mecha Kong was only made so they could... (laughs) Yeah, Mechanicom was made so they could still keep throwing him into Godzilla movies after the King Kong license expired, and then they just decided to not push their luck. <laughs> Probably safe. Yeah, they almost used him in the 90s. God. I'm sorry, this scene right here, just trying to explain, well, he's a dinosaur. Like, is that really what we're going with King Kong's? And Godzilla's just a dinosaur? And it's so pointless. Like, we don't need any of this. Right, we already know Godzilla came out of an iceberg, so we're just gonna have to take it face value. Yes, he survived by being frozen. <laughs> like we we don't need it illustrated to us by two newscasters explaining the idea. But anyway, going back to like, what a bizarre deal Toho seemed to get out of that movie. There, there is a wrinkle to that story, which is this was basically made behind Willis O'Brien's back. Because he, yeah, they, uh, they more to get... stole the story from him. Yeah, John Beck, the uh, producer whose name is all over the credits of this movie, and particularly the the American version, basically just ran off with the rights as soon as he got his hands on them, and just turned out a quick profit by giving Toho a shitty deal. Gotta love movie making. Much too. Much to everyone's consternation, O'Brien, fucking the original movie's director, Marion Cooper, was furious. Mostly because they used a guy in a gorilla suit, which is what he fought against with the original movie. Yeah, one could get everything they believed. And O'Brien didn't find out until this movie was coming out. Ooh, Started playing in really? theaters, and he was I like, suppose- what the fuck? Well, yeah, if you don't have, like, the internet or something, someone to ping you on Twitter and be like, hey, look at this, you would have no idea probably a lot of the times. The studio didn't want you keyed in. 
And imagine the alternate reality, though, where O'Brien was was there, like, in on everything. And they probably would have had more resources to actually do stop-motion stuff. But could you imagine Honda and O'Brien, like, making King Kong versus Godzilla together? Could have a real sequel to both movies? I don't know how you do a sequel to King Kong. I mean, after Son of Kong, the island sank and all the <laughs> everything was dead. Son of Kong swam away. So why he's on a different island? Um, it's a weird thing. Yeah, he's King on Kong Pharaoh is, Island the whole time. It's kind of like <laughs> Jurassic Park, where just due to the the story of King Kong is so final and is so against there being a sequel. Really, the general audience, just general audience and just quality, quality itself rejects the concept of a direct sequel. And I like how they interwoven the idea that Skull Island is doomed into a lot of versions of King Kong. Like uh, Peter Jackson's version hints at it quite a bit. You just see a lot of the island is slowly sinking into the the waters. Yeah. And this looks like a, a an island that's about to flip off the face of the earth. This is the last piece where there's dinosaurs and fantasy monsters and giant bugs, and it's going to be gone by tomorrow. I kind of I yeah, like the, the doomed aspect of the movie, even though, you know, Kong comes to the U.S. and he's doomed. But if he'd stayed home, he would have been doomed too. Well, I always hate whenever a land that time forgot is portrayed as, like, a bustling Eden. Because uh, that, that's not really how those things work. I want some real reality in my fantasy island. God, this guy just fucking chossing that lizard. <laughs> and then shooting it on top. <laughs> ah, nature, kill it. It just seems like if any creature or habitat has managed to cling to life over against extinction over countless millennia, it should probably be having a really hard go of it. Yeah. So this version of the film has been refigured. We mentioned that a bunch. Uh, the the Japanese version of the film, we don't get to Godzilla until like twenty six minutes into the movie. Uh, they've changed that around the American cut, so we get that hint of Godzilla coming out of the iceberg much earlier, even if he's kind of absent from the plot for a while as we catch up on King Kong. But King Kong, we don't see until I think in both versions about thirty five. 36 minutes into an hour and a half long film? They take a long time to get to King Kong. Well, this, the, the structure of this movie fascinates me, because especially with the Japanese cut, it feels like a Godzilla versus movie, where King Kong has the, the, the script role of Godzilla and Godzilla is the one-off monster from another movie they're just throwing at the last minute for him to beat up. Yeah, Godzilla is the but heavy in this one. Yeah. And, and King Kong is the, treated as the good guy. Hold on here. Also, we had a scene where Godzilla gets to do his Godzilla thing, and there's miniature tanks going after him. And then I love that they flip this, and now we get a King Kong moment where he just fights a giant monster, which is... And not even like a bizarro version of a monster, just a giant enlarged version of a normal monster. Which seems very King Kong to me. Very, yeah. So here we get Kong versus a giant octopus, which could be a part of the original King Kong. 
I watched this movie with a friend uh, last week while I was taking notes, and he, I don't know if he'd ever seen any of the Godzilla films. So he was sitting down watching this, having a pretty good time, which I was, I was nervous about because I know how it would play to someone who wasn't into any of this stuff. But the octopus scene we're watching now really got to him because the sound effects and the fact that it's a mm-hmm. real octopus just kind of slurping its way across the screen. Up close. I spent like, I spent like a minute trying to figure out if that was the most amazing wet puppet <laughs> I'd ever seen or if that was an actual octopus. Like, are they inflating bladders or something? When it breathes, you can like see inside of its, its face and everything. It's amazing. You're like, that's just a, for the most part, an octopus. Uh, for some of the finer parts, you can tell they have fakes going on. There's a little bit of stop motion, just just a hair for some of the tentacles as they're doing things and uh, like double exposure, rear projection kind of stuff. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, they mostly just got an octopus and threw it on top of a miniature set and let it do let it do let it do its thing. <laughs> Which and it's perfect. Is I love so this. Effective. It's so squishy. It really is. And you get over some of this stuff, like the spears not really looking like they're in the same plane of existence as the monster. But I love that rear projection shot, though. It's so Gulliver's Travels. It really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... There's... uh, There's some good uh, effects stuff in this movie, some good uh, fights here and there. Honestly, I think, hands down, this is Honda's best work in the entire film. Oh, this is my favorite part of the movie. The octopus fight is, is the best part. You can tell he's, like, loving being able to, like, work with some of this stuff. Well, it's it's a little bit of everything, special effects-wise, which had to be part of the joy of making one of these films, or burdens, depending on how you look at it. You've got a real octopus, you've got miniatures, you've got stop motion, you have rear projection, you have all these things coming together. Uh, the only thing they don't have here, as far as I can tell, is, like, rotoscoping. Which you would get when King Kong, or I'm sorry, Godzilla is you know glowing with nuclear power, so that comes in eventually too. Uh, going back to your obsession with uh, doomed uh, creatures from another time, uh, of the five uh, squids they apparently used for this sequence, one of them was taken home and eaten by the special effects master. <laughs> it does look. So, so, so we're looking at, at a lo- not long for this Earth squid. I really hope they, they took it home and it was like a pinchy moment from The Simpsons. Like they bonded <laughs> and fell in love and then the guy just didn't take enough care of it and had to eat it. Oh, I hope he just ate pinchy it while he was alive. Just feel, like, just feel something die inside of him. A lot of people felt that way on this set. But, uh, it, it's interesting seeing how much Honda gets lost in the island stuff in this film. You can really tell... At least in my opinion, that seems to be where it's where his heart is, because this was almost immediately after Honda doing Mothra, which is like wall to wall these kind of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. That seemed yeah. to be really where Honda started having fun with the kaiju movie. Because like, you get a little bit of that in Rodan, but I know uh, Gojira is Gojira. Godzilla raids again is an obligation movie. Like, it's, it's yeah, it, it's not, it's not dark the way Gojira is. It's not fun because no one is having fun making it. It, it, it I love seeing Mothra and then uh, King Kong versus Godzilla just back to back. As those, you can just see Honda discover. Oh, 
I fucking love kaiju movies, don't I? <laughs> yeah. He, the so island stuff he gets to go into more. It, it's more fantasy stuff. Like, Gojira was so, so heavy this, and so This right here has and... to be inspiration for Kong Skull Island, right? Where he's just got the octopus glued to his face. Oh, yeah. I think they said, I think they actually said it's that. It's very much where Void had to get that idea where he's like, you know, eating the tentacle and just dragging the squid around that attacks him. So apparently all the rock throwing in this movie was Toho's idea and Honda was really, really mad about having to have Kaiju throw rocks at each other. They'd have to be giant rocks. It is pretty lame. It's King Kong's thing. He's a monkey. He's, he's got to use his thumbs. He's got to pick stuff up and throw it. <laughs> Yes, to use sticks and build tools. Special effects guys giant magical axe has done better giant gorilla costumes, but you know, Honda also did not like Hiroshi's performance at all. (laughs) It it could be everything about Kong could be better in this movie. I. I understand they're trying to have it look like a gorilla face without actually having it look like a gorilla face because the second they do it they're in legal trouble with the with the uh, makeup people at RKO but uh it's one of those things where you could just tell if they just had maybe a little bit more time to really get a consistent design sense for this movie they could have really knocked it out of the park I really appreciate that Godzilla after Godzilla King Kong after defeating the octopus immediately gets shit faced Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I like Kong's personality a lot. Like, it's a little dopey, but it's kind of, it's it's fun, especially put up against Godzilla, who's just Satan still at this point. They oh, I love working-class hero, Kong. Like, uh, later on in the film, when he hides around a rock corner so he can sneak attack Godzilla, I like that they, they show a little bit of extra personality and thought into this monster. This is the thinking man's kaiju. <laughs> He's party monster. He's a party monster. He is. A, yeah, he's the Slurms McKenzie of kaiju. I hope this is kept in Godzilla versus Kong, where like their dynamic is a uh, fucking Godzilla is very like serious and austere, and Kong is like Hillboy. They'd make a great buddy <laughs> comedy. I mean, we saw that from the, like his expression in that fucking Die Hard leap, where he's like, Kong <laughs> don't know if Kong can make it. I like working a class hero, King Kong. I'm John not a cry McClane baby like that. Kong. Not a crybaby like that Peter Jackson Kong. I, I'm sure I've told you this story a hundred times, but I, I just, I, I have to get it out there because it's the funniest thing to me. I went to go see the Peter Jackson King Kong, <laughs> and it, it's it's a sad movie, right? Like the end of the movie, King Kong dies, and Emma Watts is broken up about it. Yeah, and, and just, <laughs> my dad leaves the theater, and he's not having it. This is it. Stupid sentimental monkey movie, he doesn't care. And there's another grown man leaving the theater with us who is just weeping and just trying to cover his eyes. And his girlfriend's like, What's wrong? And just, oh, they killed my monkey. King Kong didn't have to die. <laughs> just right, because just, he's different. Yeah, I could just see the disapproval from my father. The same man who thought Bing Bong should have died much faster in Inside Out. <laughs> I like their color wheels. There's something interesting to me about Japanese movies and because of Japanese culture is so into like 
tradition and just anything having to do with cultural traditions that even when they're doing shit like people in brown face being island people like them doing ceremonial things is still like dead seriously and it's treated with such respect even if it's just made up yeah <laughs> like that's what makes the mothra series so great is like that is a that is an entire just made up culture <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like in a perfect world, Wakanda could have had like the the whatever career he would have wanted. He would have made deeply personal, like very high concept, high budget fantasy movies. Yeah, Just forever. Well, at the start of his career, didn't he do a bunch of documentary kind of pieces? Yeah, he was kind of just doing. He worked on pretty much whatever up until like falling into kaiju movies. There's kind of a split, like before World War II, it looked like he was doing a lot of kind of documentary and serious drama, and then after that, he gets into things like Godzilla, and there's a giant run of kaiju movies. Yeah, well, he was kind of just a journeyman until Gojira, which was just supposed to be, like, it, it was the jaws of its time. It was just supposed to be a, a quickly made Beast from 20,000 Fathoms knockoff. Like, you watch Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and Gojira back-to-back. It's kind of hilarious. Because yeah. you can tell, like, like th this is so clearly like the artsy version of this movie that came out a year before. Oh, like the giant behemoth is basically the same deal too. Just a monster came out of the ice, and it's a big lizard that wants to eat us all. They were popular at the time, uh, we... and Japan was still trying to rebuild its its film production and film industry. We, uh, oh, sorry, we just we just missed what might be the funnier of the scenes in the movie where they explain that naturally a giant monkey and a giant lizard are enemies. They'll instinctively <laughs> try to destroy each other. I hope I just, that's I just... all the explanation given in the new movie. I really a love lizard it. and a monkey, they have to hate each other. Yeah, but I, I just, I, I love it that much because in a versus movie, that's the hardest thing to do, just to find a reason for the two worlds to intercede. And in this one, we still take a ton of time to set these characters up as individual characters and, and make their meeting happen. And the American cut just goes, I don't know, one's a monkey and one's a dinosaur. They hate each other. That's how it is. <laughs> to still be have to fair. spend like an hour to get these two together, but they're just shrugging off and going like, fuck it, it's going to happen, guys. Trust us, they'll punch each other. To be fair, is that more complex than the rivalries of most kaiju movies? You're huge, I'm huge, let's <laughs> fight about it. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. I really enjoy the Hawaiian shirts these guys are wearing. They look <laughs> Everybody in this movie looks boat. comfortable at all times. Yeah, they really do. So, so all I can think when when I watch this movie is is Japanese J. Jonah Jameson over here wearing Groucho March glasses at all times? Like he, he <laughs> looks like a white person. D &D. Like he looks like a white. He looks like a white person dressing up as a Japanese businessman. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely, in both cuts of the movie, has the most way over top personality of all the characters. They really went for it with this guy. He, he's such a, a parody of a news executive. Yeah, he's currently cosplaying as Jake Gyllenhaal's character from Okja. <laughs> I do like this plan. We're in the middle of the ocean. If King Kong wakes up, we better have a plan to dynamite him. 
They can't just, like, leave him adrift in the sea or something. They have to explode him real quick. No, we want to bathe in oh. his guts. How many chances are we gonna have to bathe in the guts falling from the sky of a giant ape? Well, in this world, Mike, pretty, pretty good odds. I mean, they blow up kaiju all the time in this world, so it's only a matter of time till another monkey comes around. Bill, can you please keep your fetishes to yourself? No. <laughs> I really enjoy that there's a moment where the Japanese government comes in and is like, what the fuck is this plan? Why, why did you even think it would be okay to bring a 40-foot-tall monkey into the mainland? What? No, you can't bring in exotic animals to anywhere. You can't just go through clearance like that. Like, what, customs like that. What are you doing? Meanwhile, this man is having a heart attack because he didn't think his plan through. <laughs> oh, I love how much like how much this movie plays as just the japanese remake of king kong with the, the king kong portions being virtually beat by beat the american movie but just retrofitted to japanese sensibilities like instead of a sleazy movie director it's the ceo of a sinister pharmaceutical company that just wants to promote his television station and it's very cued into a lot of things going on in uh, the back of everyone's mind in Japan at the time. Whereas with Kong, I think it was just like basic, like, like 1930s Hollywood Babylon type. Oh, those crazy movie producers. Who knows what they're getting up to? <laughs> C Cecil B. DeMille had like a thousand people on set and he lit them all on fire. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, this version... The Japanese cut has a lot to say, uh, kind of mocking the idea of sponsorship and ownership of ideas and concepts. The American version drops a lot of that, which is too bad because it would probably play much better now that we have things like NASCAR, where every car has 500 logos on it, or uh, yeah. every every sporting stadium is now, you know, like, oh, the Gillette presents Soldier Field. Like, it's, it's all owned by a corporation, and they have to say their name before you can even get to the team's name. Okay, so everyone else is bothered by how this part of the movie plays out, right? Where we, we cut back to this man whose who's, wife has just gone on a mission to go find his corpse, and his plane apparently crashed, but he wasn't aware of it, and there, there's just a lot of B-movie happening off-screen. This is an American tale that's happening in Japan. Yeah, this all plays better in the Japanese version. It's interwoven better, it's explained a little bit more clearly. The American version pushes it out so far that it you kind of forget these kind characters of different movie, and what's up. Much. Yeah, and, and they play such a small part in the film, it doesn't make sense that they bothered throwing them in at all in the American cut. But so they're, they're kind the of part footage. of some action scenes. Yeah, so you, you can't totally exercise them. I guess the movie's already an hour and a half long. You, you can't cut out too much more. So I guess if they got rid of all their scenes, you want to be losing like another Godzilla attack moment and the movie would be like 75 minutes long. So you, you got to keep all this stuff in and these weird subplots that you, you kind of neutered. It is pretty funny that like in an era of there barely being kaiju in the kaiju movies, this exceptionally barely has kaiju in the kaiju movie. <laughs> Speak of the devil. That's the only thing I will give the American version over the Japanese is it, we at least get some Gadzuki a little earlier. <laughs> it's got, it is like Gareth Edwards Godzilla up in here. 
I mean, I, I kind of defend that to a certain point. In in a lot of classic horror uh, kaiju films, they do take a lot of time building up to see the monster. It's in the sequels where they really get down to brass tacks and they introduce the monster right away because they have two of them they got to fight. Yeah. Like the original King Kong, they take about a third of the movie, I think, to get to Skull Island and find King Kong. I think it's that, about uh, 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that ratio holds true for Peter Jackson, King Kong. But that movie's three hours long, so it's you know it's it's really noticeable when you go an hour before it gets King Kong. But this was this was when things started to change. This movie was so popular, it really kicked off a, a Godzilla renaissance, less so King Kong. And after this, you start seeing them emphasize some of the differences in this film, like the the lighthearted tone became much more popular. It wasn't the same as like in the original Godzilla, where they had a very, very clear and, and pretty dark message about nuclear annihilation and responsibility for these types of weapons as the running theme. Later on, I don't, I don't know if you get as deep of a theme in in something like Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. They're very fun, but they're they're not trying as hard to be deep parables, you know. Well, I think what Toho always wanted was for these to first and foremost be children's matinee movies that were violent enough to bring in teenagers and young adults. Because yep. weirdly, the goofier these movies got, the more blood-soaked they became, hilariously. <laughs> oh, man. Going back and rewatching Gamera? Holy shit. One, Gamera is basically, like, nearly decapitated in every one of those movies. He's, just, like, impaled. There's kaiju blood everywhere. They beat the hell out of that guy. But in turn, Gamera's also cutting legs off of monsters and ripping them in half and stuff. There's one where he beats one with a club for like two minutes and then does a happy dance to his own theme music. <laughs> the movie's got surprisingly violent, but also very silly as time went on. So you kind of excuse the <laughs> the violence because it's not serious in any way. Oh, I would, I would probably say the last time a Godzilla movie until uh, Return of Godzilla in the 80s was really mm -hmm. about anything, even the most subtle of ways, is Mothra versus Godzilla right after this. Because at that point, Godzilla was still the, was still the villain. He was still the yeah. atomic beast. Like, he was still standing in for that, even post this. <laughs> and Mothra was naturalism, was the Earth... Uh, like everything good, it was tradition. It was, you know, even in Mothra, Mothra represented Mothra. the non like industrial world, and Godzilla fucking kills Mothra. Yeah, and even in the original Mothra, Mothra is the main villain, but it's not portrayed as in Mothra is evil. Mothra is is kind of a victim of circumstance, where yeah, you know, if man hadn't intervened, uh, Mothra wouldn't have caused issues. Monster so, oh, is just a taken movie. Yeah. Yeah. And even like Mikey was saying, with Godzilla raids again, Godzilla is a necessary evil in that film, which is interesting if you go back to the idea of Godzilla being, you know, stand in for nuclear fallout or weapons or anything along those lines. In the end, luckily, Godzilla is shelved by literally getting encapsulated by a, a, an avalanche, essentially, and frozen into an iceberg. Yeah. I always it's bought, interesting I've kind of bought. I've always kind of bought Godzilla raids again as like that version of Godzilla being less a metaphor specifically for the bomb as it is for America and how uh, 
how Japan was caught up in a war between two equally opposed superpowers with uh, the dude who isn't Godzilla, whose name I can never remember on that one, uh, kind of being like uh, an all-purpose stand-in for the other members of the Axis or Russia or whatever foreign power that uh, Japan was looking to America to keep in check since it had its own military neutered. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. the only interesting thing in Godzilla raids again, besides the uh, better action scenes. Oof, that, mo- that movie would be so through. interesting if it had more time to cook. Oh, but absolutely! It's, like, very, it's, it's better it's, than. I think the characters are kind of fun though in raids again. Um, oh yeah, that's not my favorite it, Godzilla by any stretch. But the characters are a little more fun. Uh, our, our two main pilot characters are more interesting to watch than a lot of the other guys who get saddled with these movies. But it's just interesting. It's to a see significantly Japan. better movie than Son of Godzilla. Oh, Jesus! Or Son uh, of Son of King Kong, I should say. Um, it is interesting to see with that a look at the atomic bomb allegory in a more introspective way. I mean, I've always really liked the way they approached the ending of the original. Godzilla. You know, you have a man who's invented an even better version of the atomic bomb, and what he decides to do is kill himself along with his knowledge of the project while using it. So he does the necessary evil, but he also wipes it out. You know, yeah. the thing that America could never do. We, you know, we kept it and we weaponized it and we put the entire world in danger ever since, because now everyone wants nuclear weapons. In in their version of that yeah. story... <laughs> I'm sorry, I fucking love King Kong! <laughs> Wet Kong probably smells terrible. In in the original Godzilla, you know, it's it's that idea that you can actually put Pandora back in the box. If you if you just had guys who were brave enough to to really undo their mistakes or only use them once truly and then put an end to it, which might be a little unrealistic, but it's it's kind of I don't, I don't know like a, a romantic in a sense, and I like Very that much. about it a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the that's the other side of Gojira. On the one hand, it is a movie about. Uh, the horror of the atomic bomb, but it's also in some ways a wish fulfillment story. What if the atomic bomb were just a creature as if out of folklore that Japan could pull together and defeat using their own science and their own, uh, uh, their own gumption? Well, yeah, in a movie about giant monsters, it comes down to the bravery of one scientist and his friends. Uh, all of this is kind of hilarious. And I, I don't get me wrong, I love the new Godzilla films and the, the monitors. I think they're really enjoyable. But in that one, when the oxygen destroyer is deployed, is almost just an inside joke gag. <laughs> it's, it is it's a really weird. Yeah. Like, is this an Easter egg? Yeah, like it just pops up and like, hey, we made a new version of the H bomb. Oh, it didn't work. Moving on. It's like, oh man, that was such an important part of the original franchise. It's like, uh, it feels very weird to just throw it away as a gag. It is funny how the American Godzilla movies could say a whole lot about America's relationship with the bomb and science or America's relationship with Japan and its own, uh, like what the weight of a superpower is like. But American Godzilla movies are instead about how awesome Godzilla is. It always is. Which yeah. is Godzilla oh, is which a is great, great. Cool for that. But it it is a bit of a missed opportunity. Well, even in in Gareth Edwards' Godzilla, you have the setup of 
there being a scientist father and the movie is based on the relationship between him and his son which if you really wanted to you could easily make that kind of the idea idea of living with the sins of the father and when it comes to nuclear war that's a really easy parable to jump into you know <laughs> our fathers were born of the generation that that did these things so it's not quite a one-to-one correlation but there's the idea that not that many years ago to, to settle a world war people did unspeakable things changed the world and now we have to live with the consequences you could make a pretty interesting monster movie about that and instead like you said jamie we get a movie where I don't know. Godzilla's always pretty cool. We want to see him fuck up those bad monsters. Well, the American version is more like just about general boy humanity is not great. <laughs> <laughs> I said uh, Monarch Monarch vs. Godzilla is kind of Mothra in many ways. Very <laughs> much so, especially with the restorative powers and, and King of the Monsters. Yeah. Well, all the movies are that way. Uh, Kong Skull Island, you know, it's the invading force of man who disrupts King Kong. And yeah, he's kind of seen as a bad guy in certain parts, but the military is seen as the worst evil throughout the entire thing. Kong's just a dude who wants to be left alone is going to fuck shit up if you bother him. Godzilla, he's pretty similar. He's not really causing problems. He inherently doesn't want to destroy the United States. You know, if he comes upon their Navy, he's not just going to crash through them. There's something very... Yeah, you are uh, John C. Riley. He's a good king. <laughs> He's a good king. There's something very um, humbling about how the monsters are used in the monarch verse. It's, it's, it's made very clear, especially by the time you get to King of the Monsters, that the kind of underlying thing is humanity is not top of the food chain like it thinks. Like, they're kind, mm-hmm. like we're kind of nothing. Like, we're just sort of were an accident almost in comparison to incidental in a lot of ways. Yeah. To, to what really, and we're fucking everything up and these things are kind of the real, the real rulers of, of the planets. And we've gotten in the way and we've, we've destroyed their ecosystem and we're destructive. Yeah. Like in, in, in the second Godzilla, Doherty's Godzilla, where at the end it's implied that, well, now that the Kaiju are here, the entire world is going to re-sprout and kind of be like a form of Eden now that man isn't able to just destroy the planet without impunity. Yeah. Godzilla destroyed global warming. Godzilla killed capitalism. <laughs> you know, you're right. I guess uh, it's almost like a positive approach to the whole Lovecraftian elder gods idea. Like, yeah. what if there were these all-powerful ancient beings... Uh, that could wipe us out in a moment, but they didn't, and most of them were cool. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of the appeal of these movies. Like this is all—that's always been the appeal of these movies, like from the very, be- pretty much the very beginning. And going off of it, I mean, we're about to watch another uh, attempt by human forces to stop Godzilla, that does absolutely nothing. <laughs> but it sure makes a big show. Also, dear God, that much, that much gasoline just dumped directly into the water table. <laughs> Hopefully no one lives around here, that everything's poisoned. The gill man died that day. <laughs> just floating upside down. 
that's the struggle. I mean, if you're making a kaiju movie, you really have to involve human beings, even though everyone recognizes that's probably the low point of most of the films. But it'd be very difficult to sell a kaiju movie where it is entirely just two giant monsters punching each other. I'd be curious if they ever try that. Like, they don't even bother with the human element. They just, no, screw it. Here's Godzilla, and there's another monster. They're going to fight. Exclusively. That's the whole film. No dialogue. None. You, you do it like primal, and you, you just have them go, go at it. I think um, the the point of contention with me is always when they do have human protagonists, they're always like everyman and maybe a journalist or something. No, no, this is crazy fucking science fiction bullshit. I want mad scientists. I want sorceresses. (laughs) You want want somebody... I want a man in a mech suit who has researched Godzilla his entire life. I, I go Pacific Rim with the character building. I, I do want, appreciate that's why I love my '90s Godzilla like, movies. It's like we got aliens and this weird, wacky shit is the. Yeah. I really like that about more, Pacific like Rim, though. Having to... characters who are who are, are notable, unique characters, and are also trying very hard like they're specialists they're they're not just oh i ran into godzilla today which is 90 percent of the characters <laughs> in these films it feels like well i'm in the military and now there's a god walking around so i guess i have to deal with that honestly that's what impressed me about doherty's godzilla so much is i, I just they weren't stock kaiju human characters and i actually enjoyed watching them yeah and that's and the and monsters the does not get enough love for having one of the best casts in any kaiju yeah. movie. Yeah, and the monarch verse has been very good about at least having through line characters, which I think helps. You know, it's something that I feel like old Godzilla movie, most Godzilla movies, you know, they didn't. Not all of them carried characters through. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. But the familiarity helps with the plot lines. A lot of people I mean, have ranked kaiju films based off of the monsters i think someone needs to make a giant list just ranking all the human protagonists throughout like the show era that's how it should be that's that's a harder one to go by we all know the top of that list would be that little boy who makes friends with godzilla jr (laughs) bottom of the pile that's the problem with like the human characters of the showa era so much is like they more or less just existed for exposition. Yeah. Well, that's always... They're the humans in a Transformers episode. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I like the idea of a mech suit. I I like the idea that humans could actually interfere with the plot a little more instead of just being annoying. It goes against what's happening in most of these films, but I I still like it when they can punch back a little. Or spaceships. Yeah. So I, once again, I like the 90s Godzilla movies. They had all the wild shit. That's when you had, like, anti-Godzilla coalitions and stuff using space-age technology to fight Godzilla. <laughs> Laser guns and whatnot. Yeah, there, there is not a boring moment of Godzilla 2000. I will say, too, I, I love what they did with Shin Godzilla, where there's a big focus on human beings, but it's, it's not about how they're going to directly fight the monster, but just how they're going to deal with the fallout of the monster or researching what the monster is. Like, we're oh, Shin, that Godzilla is partially a... Shin Godzilla is practically a political thriller. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, Godzilla just also, got hey, steps. Hey, look, it's that scene that uh, Richie's talking about in the It miniseries. <laughs> this is such bullshit. This is fucking um, Jason not being able to go into a puddle. <laughs> I like how it looks like he's sitting here just walking around the tower. He's like, oh, shit, there's more. Also, Godzilla never once thinks to use like his atomic breath or anything. He's like, I've been defeated. Here's a question. You okay? When this movie, when this movie comes out, you're a big Gojira fan. How fucking weird is it going into a theater and going, he's gray? <laughs> I just assumed he was kind of green. Like that had to have been a weird fucking moment. Is he is he not green in this one? No, Godzilla was always uh, meant he, he, he looks like he's grayish. Yeah, he looks like he's still black and white. Yeah, I just think he was like so. a, a dark green. You know, like the, the to me, there's a lot of greens that bridge on gray. So I just kind of assumed he was one of those shades. Well, it's there's a weird any illustrated depiction of Godzilla he's green right. I mean we it's a kind of a Berenstain bear situation everyone remembers Godzilla being green but he's gray or black yeah he eventually would just morph into green because that's what everyone's image of him was like that's what all the Gojira posters <laughs> were and all that but they didn't change his color for this film like he was always grayish like mostly just gray like a lizard or something like he was never green it's like frankenstein Wait, you're telling me lizards aren't green no oh, yeah it's like how frankenstein was just supposed to be a dude <laughs> king kong just munching on wires no the american man told me he'll get strength from that yum oh so yeah, in the Japanese cut, King Kong walks into the wires, and they're like, that'll stop him, and then King Kong just goes through it anyways, and like, oh, we're wrong, that's bad. So the American version gets around this by having them explain that King Kong seemingly draws powers from electricity. <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, he's a monkey. Monkeys do that, right? 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 That's, that's, that's the thing monkeys do. That's they how monkeys work. They electricity to defeat zoos. Oh, this just in. We now have footage of King Kong sleeping in some kind of wet sack, which he believes gives him <laughs> monkey powers. So this is fun. Hiroshi like... was was uh, told by Honda to watch footage of real apes. So he and this moved he came correctly. Hiroshi uh, didn't. He said he did, but he didn't. <laughs> so this is him pretending to know how apes move and pretending to have studied them very closely. A lot of people don't realize this, his own head. Andy Serkis did the exact same thing for Planet of the Apes. <laughs> He'd never seen one in his life. He just made it up. He thought they were bald. Well, it helps that Andy Serkis uh, is like one of those Devo men from the Super Mario Brothers movie. So he's like halfway to chimp already. <laughs> There goes Kong again, wandering through what the city. Is, what doing are you doing with your arms? The Johnny Bravo dance. I Everyone, love how... Oh my god! The Johnny Bravo dance, he says, do the monkey with me. And then he just does that walk. Now it all makes sense. He got it from <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. 
I love how confused Kong and Godzilla are in every scene in this movie, especially when they're fighting. They just look like two drunk guys trying to get home. <laughs> this scene reminds me of the Universal ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm still bitter that I will never get to experience that ride. One of the greatest moments of my life was that fucking ride. Uh, we went to E.T. the ride instead, and then the park closed. Fucking loser. Make a VR version of that defunct land. I, I want, like, yeah, an entire book about that ride. <laughs> they made one of those for the Jaws ride at, Universal's, at Universal Studios, and it was fantastic. I would love the same experience to just read about Kong the ride. Kong, there you could have lifted King your Kong fucking ride. feet. He's a shuffler, man. He shuffles. Uh, so there's a new King Kong ride at Universal Studios where you're in a bus and they take you through an area that has 3D screens all around you. I've seen footage. So, you, know, you feel like you're in the action and the tram bounces around. Uh, I went on the, the, the tour, so they, they give you a taste of Kong Skull Island or wherever they call it. It's not Skull Island. It's based on Peter Jackson's version. And uh, it was fine. It, you know, it was fun. Didn't didn't really meet my expectations, and then the ride broke immediately after that. And I had to wait like for two hours to get on this thing in the first place, so <laughs> we missed the entire uh, Fast and the Furious segment of the ride. It's a real shame. It's just a real bummer. It's the whole reason we're doing this podcast so I can whine about the time my Universal experience wasn't as great as I thought it'd be. Well, this has been box office pulp. Yeah, we finished the show. The rest of this is just gravy. I love this dude's mustache. I was just thinking that. It's a good look. That's why he's in charge. <laughs> the military also stops because Kong is holding one person. This is a running thing in kaiju movies. If the bad guys have one human being hostage, the military is powerless. Like they, well, they that's really... what it's like. That's what it's they like just... living in a country where they value human life, Cody. You're not just <laughs> ones and zeros in Japan. I'm just saying, it's an amazing... I don't know, juxtaposition? Because in these movies... Theoretically, thousands of people are dying all the time because buildings are just getting knocked over and cars smashed. But to save the life of one, a lot of risk is being put down. It's, it's a neat way of doing things. Even, uh, I'm thinking of Gamera again. There's, there's one point where evil aliens have kidnapped two children, and they basically said, unless the world surrenders, they will kill the children. Which the Earth is like, well, I guess we gotta surrender. They got two kids. <laughs> I love that kind of optimism in the movies. Like, the military would be like, well, of course we have to surrender. They have children. Two of them. Not just one, two. <laughs> Fuck you. So the original plan really was just to play the bongos, and then thankfully they remembered, oh, right, we have this knockout gas. They were very Question, confident sir, about the we're, bongos. Uh, we're the military. Have we, um... We considered just shooting them? <laughs> the girl no, just pulls out a pistol and just fires at Kong, and Kong just falls over dead. <laughs> <laughs> wait, a, wait a second. Kong died by bullets, Godzilla by electricity. How can we use that? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. The idea that they have to give... Godzilla, the weakness to electricity, and King Kong is powered by electricity? It's very much, uh... Wait. Jason died in water. 
Place your bets. <laughs> Still bitter that's cut out of the actual movie. Fingers. <laughs> it's in the novelization and comic adaptation, though. It's in the version of Freddy vs. Jason that matters. Release the bet cut. <laughs> now, one thing that... Uh, well, another thing that is more, more prevalent in the Japanese cut, I've noticed, than uh, the American one we're watching, there's way more, like, commentary from people in the news media and just people watching the fights debating over whether or not King Kong can kick Godzilla's ass. Yeah, they're taking sides. And, they're placing I, I love how... Jerry, like, and what's essentially the first big versus movie? They're already self-aware. <laughs> I love that. That's that. Like, that's such a Honda thing. Like, using a giant stunt film designed to cash in on wavering IPs to satirize corporate publicity stunts. <laughs> and naturally, and it's, people it's really it more up. relevant now. <laughs> yeah. Going off of that idea, you think of versus movies, they're really the death knell of a franchise, right? When they're out of other ideas, they come back around, they go, well, let's just pair up two fading properties and that'll that'll get people going again. For for something like Alien vs. Predator, yeah, they got a sequel, but no one saw it. That movie also stalled out Ridley Scott and James Cameron's ideas for revisiting that franchise. Freddy vs. Jason was a huge hit. I mean, it made uh, over $100 million against a $30 million budget. But it didn't lead to more original continuity entries for either franchise. That was just kind of the end of things. Having Costello meet Frankenstein was just the death knell for most of the Universal's monsters. Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein were done there. This movie, this really kicked off Godzilla as we know him. I, I don't know if we would think of Godzilla in nearly the same terms if this movie didn't exist. Because after this... We get so many movies. Uh, 64, there's Mothra vs. King Kong and Ghidorah, uh, the Three-Headed Monster. A year later, Invasion of Astro Monster. 66, uh, Ibira, the Horror of the Deep. 67, Son of Godzilla. 68, Destroy All Monsters. 69, All Monsters Attack. Uh, 71, Godzilla vs. Hedera. 72, Godzilla vs. Gigan. 73, Godzilla vs. Megalon. 74, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. 75 was Terror of Mechagodzilla. Basically, once a year, there was a giant Godzilla movie coming out after this movie. This kicked off a huge, huge Godzilla renaissance, and it really formed what we think of Godzilla. This is... Godzilla 1 was very popular, obviously. It's a huge part of pop culture. But the Godzilla we always think of is, is formed throughout the Showa era. And it's so weird to think that, that they just thought they were going to have that kind of success with King Kong licensed movies. Godzilla's just in here for name recognition, to throw a character they weren't going to use again in here, uh, to put some more butts in seats, and it spawned an empire. Yeah, right? Godzilla was only used because he was Toho's big villain. Like, they didn't plan to use him again after raids. His story was kind of <laughs> over. Well, we had a seven-year gap between raids again and uh, King Kong versus Godzilla which at that time was obviously the longest in the franchise because they're only two movies in. Uh, then we hit the Heise era where 
we had a nine-year gap between the terror of Mechagodzilla and the return of Godzilla. But again, that signaled a pretty big switch in what they were going for in Godzilla movies. And uh, then we had a 12-year gap between Godzilla Final Wars, 2004, and Shin Godzilla, if you, if you ignore the American versions of Godzilla. It's only like 10 years if you throw in uh, Godzilla 2014. But it's Godzilla apparently goes in waves where people get sick of him and then he'll go away for 10 years or something, then come back and have 10 more years of movies, one row after another, like dominoes. It is kind of crazy, though, that... The amount of loopholes and, and legalities that had to come up for, okay, we need King Kong to fight somebody else for this movie we're going to make. We have got, we, I guess we can use Godzilla. Like, if that was not stated at some point, Godzilla would not be a thing outside of Gojira. Right. <laughs> like, what if they threw. Mothra in there, or Rodan, or something, you know? Like, it could have made right? more sense. Rodan would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah that changes that just cinema. came out. Like, think about how much cinema does, changes yeah. because of no Godzilla. Right? We're up to the point now where it's not weird that a studio will spend $200 million to try and jumpstart a franchise where we have Godzilla fighting different monsters. Like, that's just accepted. Get big wigs from Hollywood, throw them into a monster movie, and that's fine. I can't imagine that being the case if Godzilla didn't kick off his 60s and 70s run of movies where it became more popular and accepted worldwide to, to do big old keiju brawl fests. Uh, yeah, God, could you imagine if this had been made a year earlier or a year after and Toho wasn't feeling really nostalgic over their 30th anniversary? <laughs> also, I, well, point, I love yeah. that. I love that Toho's big two tentpole movies they made to celebrate 30 years in business were King Kong versus Godzilla and Sanjuro. <laughs> I didn't know the Sanjuro thing, but I like that. Yeah, that was a big fucking they year. They were made concurrently. For... Yeah, that, that was honestly a big fucking year for Japanese cinema. You know, yeah, this, 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 this movie is a giant Sanjuro does not get the credit it deserves. Is, is it Yojimbo? No. Is it very good? I would say yes. Oh, Sanjuro's fucking it excellent. Has, it has a final shot that changed movie history because yep. Toho <laughs> was just a kingmaker this one year. Well, the, the blood shot in that, wasn't that just because they had like clogged pipes when they were doing the stunt? Like it was supposed to be a normal yeah. Yeah. blood and just, oh no, Fucked what have up. we done? Well, fuck it. Yeah. No, one, bro no one broke character because all the blood was going everywhere. So it was a. It was a one-take moment at that point. And that's where blood spurts come from. It would have been hilarious if broke character and they realized from. it had to go into the film. <laughs> we used all the blood, and they're laughing! That's how Samurai What a surreal ending. Now. Did Mario Bava direct this? And it makes the I movie, because like the movie world. is completely fucking bloodless up until that point. Oh, yeah! So it's dry. It just, it, and it makes that moment, like, the meaning of that moment, the meaning of violence. Like so much more potent. I, I love that ending so much. Mike, I love how you're saying that very insightful, deep comments about Sanjuro as King Kong is being flown by balloons to go fight Godzilla <laughs> on a mountain. I like this I really hope that's in the new movie. <laughs> they bring the balloons back. We already see him on the fucking raft in the new movie, so it's possible. That's true. We. <laughs> <laughs> This is so stupid. God, 
King Kong just looks blazed. He just he just looks so out of it. Oh, drop it, oh, boys. God. Can somebody please dub over lines from Seth Rogen movies every time it cuts to King Kong? <laughs> I love stop motion. Uh, every time he's fighting Godzilla, fighting. I'm yelling because the truth is loud. <laughs> hey, man. The rematch. God, that is just so. At this point, we've garage. seen what? Oh yeah. <laughs> so at this point in the movie, we've seen. King Kong and Godzilla fight once, right? They had an interrupted battle where King Kong essentially retreats after being set on fire. And now we get the full rematch. Is that is that like the standard formula for a versus movie? You gotta have one matchup where they don't quite get into it fully, but you get an idea that the bad guy has the upper hand. And then the later I one think- is where everything turns out all right. You know, Godzilla's gonna win after all. He gets his, you know, round two and he's in better shape. I think ideally you have three confrontations, uh, one non-physical, one physical with a tie, or with the hero getting his ass kicked, and then you go in for the big brawl. I think you can also get away with uh, what we got here. I yeah. personally, I like think it more when the, there's uh, not a clear third... hero, but they almost always pick a hero. I personally feel like the third act should have been uh, Godzilla versus Kong playing Liar's Dice. <laughs> Fucking sneaky Kong. Look at Godzilla just fucking roaring at nothing. I know he's around here. Jackass. An evil jackass. Even better, this attack doesn't work. Kong grabs the tail and just immediately gets knocked over. Behind you, dummy. Behind you. So I really love that Godzilla suit. That's a good Godzilla suit. The only thing that bothers me, and this is my nitpicking, is the spines move when he turns. I wish they were stiffer. Yeah. But that's, that's it's Godzilla. You always Godzilla. have to deal with something vibrating. Yeah, it's the, one of the last the, the really good are suits around. of the of that of this era, I should say. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, later suits are amazing. I, I think oh, the yeah, suit I returns mean... is. Oh, returns maybe. Wow. <laughs> Returns is well, a great balance where he still had those thick thighs, but he didn't look weirdly disproportionate. Like, I, I like yeah. the new Godzilla movies again, but he's very, very much a thigh monster. Oh, yeah. Oh, have Godzilla you... dummy thick now. Oh, have you seen Godzilla in the new um, anime? Ooh, those thighs. Ooh, planet-sized. <laughs> I do not like the atomic breath in this movie, though. Nah. This is like Pretty he has bad. a hairdryer. It, it it's it's like he has Superman's ice breath. Yeah. See, that's why I thought the cocktail for tonight should have been a little minty, nice and fresh. Tumble <laughs> like lovers. <laughs> hey, the new Godzilla versus King Kong poster makes it look like they're about to kiss. So it's it's fine. This is part because that's not the third act. I got this. I got this as the moment. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Godzilla struggling to stand up two movies after being a terrifying analogy for Hiroshima. The funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> well, he's on a hill. <laughs> but I, I feel like this is the... <laughs> oh, God, he's fucking dead. knocking himself off by spinning. <laughs> There's a blood to... starts pouring out. He doesn't move. <laughs> he tried to do That's a like roll fuck out of there. work. Yeah. I kind of feel like this is where Toho realized that 
two monsters with human-like uh, per- proportions and features doesn't really look that good in a fight. They kind of just punch each other. Yeah, but you think about that, it should make sense for a fight, right? You, you want two punchers, you want a boxing match, and it... No, it's, it's being a lot of hugging. It's George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Batman and Robin. They're just kind of gesturing at each other. <laughs> Look how insulting the key to Godzilla's this fight being. is being limber. I, I love how fuck much of a grudge match this gets. Like, it goes dirty immediately. <laughs> just two Japanese dudes beating the shit out of them, each other on a soundstage. Oh, stop motion Godzilla. Only time we ever got stop motion Godzilla. <laughs> so your point, Jamie, this, I guess there kind of is a third fight built into this. Because this last fight here is really over. Godzilla's won. But by chance, King Kong gets struck by lightning, which gives him superpowers for the third end. It's battle. really bullshit. Like, it, it's weird. It almost feels like the fact it wasn't an American mandate that Kong wins. Because it feels like some kind of weird, like, reshoot do- deus machina going on. Well, the fact that there was the urban legend for years that the Japanese cut of the movie ended with Godzilla as the winner, and they had to change the stupid American version to have the American monster winning, I think kind of shows what you're saying has some weight to it. It doesn't feel right. I believed that until seeing this movie, too. I, like, like, I heard it for years, that, too, that was... until I finally tracked down, you know, the Japanese version and watched it, and you realize, like, oh, no, it ends the same both. Yeah, there's only, like, yeah, one I was doing some small digging. change. Yeah, I was doing some... Yeah, just to make it more epic. Like, I was doing some digging on that uh, for research, and there's a fucking rabbit hole on how that rumor got started. Yeah. Basically, just a long game of telephone from Godzilla encyclopedias to old monster magazines that like goes all the way to just an article in a, in a fan scene that was filled with inaccurate shit. <laughs> well, I suppose before the internet, where you had easy access to like region-free Blu-ray players or DVD players, it would be very hard to disprove something like that. If you heard it, yeah. you just go, you know, who else is going to tell me different? <laughs> And then it became one of those things where, like, people would just claim to have seen it, like, while vacationing in Japan. Or, like, like, there was a uh, Los Angeles Times uh, movie journalist who swore that he went to a hotel in Japan and saw the original ending where Godzilla killed King Kong. <laughs> like, it became, like, those people who, like, swear to God they saw that episode of The Tonight Show where somebody died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, small aside here. I really hope the new version of this movie features the tree attack. I want. I wanted exactly oh, the same. I want oh, King yeah. Kong to just take a tree to. and stuff it down Godzilla's mouth. I love that it just comes from them not really having a whole lot of stuff for these two characters to do. So just just use props. Wait, well, it, it came find from, some um, way to kill each other. It came from a po- uh, King Kong poster where he's doing that to. Um... A T-Rex. Oh, really? I yeah, it's like, well, that's not in the movie, but that's that's an awesome image. Let's have him do it to Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> and this is completely incidental, but I love how the big final smash in this movie is a traditional Japanese building being destroyed 
Like the idea that we are essentially diverting paths from classic Godzilla and horror films into let's make these a little bit more kid friendly, let's make them a little goofier, let's make them more fun brawl movies. Obviously, that's not what they're going for by having that big traditional castle be destroyed. But it but still plays it into the way. satire that Honda's going for in the Japanese version. Like, hey, uh, while you're caring about ratings, here's um, our history being fucking destroyed. Very much for your that. entertainment. And you know it's coming, too. They take so long to work their way to that building, and you just know it's going to happen. Ah, and here it goes. That's the crescendo. Yeah, that, it's, like, completely lost in the American version. Well, that's the thing that's something that's lost about kaiju movies in general. Like, because, you know, the big rubber monster destroying Tokyo is such a punchline to Americans from like, years and years of catching Godzilla movies uh, on cheap uh, TV marathons. Like, Japan was and is to this day absolutely terrified of losing its history and its culture due to foreign influences, due to the world changing, and ju due to just natural disasters and shit just yeah. being lost. Well, I think the only time Americans quite got that was in Cloverfield, where all of a sudden the Statue of Liberty's head just gets flung down the road. And all of a sudden it's not like, oh no, a Japanese landmark I don't care or understand. Uh, it's a thing I know about! So you just have to really localize it, I guess, for, for other people to get the point. Also, I love that this movie ends with Godzilla and King Kong tumbling over a cliffside like they're Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. I was thinking or, um, and, and Love Crimes is playing Wolf, right now. Wolfman. That's how they should all end. If you have a big versus movie, you just gotta tumble off uh, Reichenbach Falls. Look, guys, guys, let's settle this. They fell over like Captain America and the Red Skull falling through time in Spider-Man the Animated Series. Okay, Jamie wins. <laughs> Jamie's got the right answer. Yep, yep. Uh, one last difference between the American and Japanese cuts, and this one is uh, something the American cut did better. The Japanese cut has a small earthquake, and by small I mean barely noticeable. The American version beefs that the fuck up. They make it look like the world is about to end in this earthquake. It's the one oh, good God, change. Oh God, it takes them down. <laughs> and goodbye, Kong. Just gonna walk his whole Peace. way back to, to Nat Skull Island. So before we were talking about how this kind of spawned, uh, you know, the Godzilla Empire, there are 33 Godzilla films between the American and uh, Toho Productions as of this moment. There's uh, obviously more are going to come down the pipeline eventually. So 33 more movies directly attached to this, I would say, because if this failed, you wouldn't have any of the other Godzillas. Plus, how many other kaijus were spun off of those films? Because it feels like half of those guys got their own solo movies or trilogies or whatever else. Plus, you ended up with more King Kong films. There was King Kong Escapes shortly after this. Uh, we had the 76 version of King Kong, totally not related, not from Toho. Uh, there was King Kong Lives a couple years after that, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, there is what, the Godzilla animated series based on the American remake? It's The King Kong animated series. <laughs> yeah, you can't... Oh, plus there was like a, a Godzilla animated series from the 60s too, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that in the research. That was, uh, oh, goodness, but Rankin Bass, wasn't it? Wow, was it? That was King Kong, yeah. <laughs> Not, oh, King Kong did that one. Okay. Yeah, but, it, it's just uh, but there were other Godzillas. Like, there was an American Godzilla, the animated series in the 70s, and then uh, Japan had a couple animated stuff, That's where stuff, we got Gazuki. Yep. Yeah, but it, it's Gazuki, just insane to think the consequences, the, 
the butterfly <laughs> effect that happens just from like one silly Gilgamesh. versus movie between a monkey and a lizard would go on to spawn one of the most long-running and iconic film franchises in world history. Just just a weird way things play out. Oh, uh, those are my favorite pop culture titans. The Inexplicables, like like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, has got to be like the closest American equivalent of something that is enduringly popular to virtually every generation, despite being extremely specific and niche. I think truly that um, they did not make a monkey out of Godzilla. Oh, oh. God, I hate that pun. We can't end on something like that. You like, like it. Like it I know like you fucking like it. I know you well enough. You like it. Uh, I admit nothing. You know what? I love every monkey that I see. From chimpanzee A to chimpanzee? I can't abide by that joke because Mighty Joe Young is a monkey. I'm, I'm currently being sued by Matt Groening. Hold on. Yep, I'm going to jail. Goodbye. Actually, I think that's how we should end most episodes. I, I just immediately get sued by George Lucas or someone. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Turns out I cheated on my taxes. Goodbye, everybody. And then you just hear the patty wagon come for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, this has been King Kong vs. Godzilla. Coming soon to a streaming service near you will be Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I, I got high hopes for my boy Kong. I want him to, to win this one. I don't. I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. He is facing a radioactive lizard, so it's it's always a tough uphill battle. But uh, I got my fingers crossed. Folks, As always, this girl's putting her money on Mecha Godzilla. Ah, uh, the, the Dark Horse candidate. One of these times, Mecha has to win, right? Eventually. Just yeah, it's, it's sure just playing the threat. long odds. Boy, wouldn't audiences be confused if they just ended it with the robot winning and mankind is doomed. And then Yongri appears and saves the day. <laughs> no! I mean, this is probably the end of the uh, the Monarch verse, right? I think the rights go back to Toho after this, and they're probably not going to re-up them. So yeah, it'd be hilarious if they ended it with a teaser like, whoa, what's that in the distance? Is it? It is! It's our savior, Rodan! He's back! Fuck Rodan. Motherfucker Fuck. won't take down his goddamn Trump sign. <laughs> I don't like Shin Rodan. Why don't we get a Shin of all the different kaijus? I would love that. I mean, we're getting, what, Shin, Shin Ultraman, Gamera, are we? Shin Gamera. Oh, yeah. I just heard uh, the FBI actually just uh, finally arrested Rodan for his part in the Capitol insurrection. Oh, thank God. Yeah. After he grabbed that flag with his beak and flew off with it. God, it was a dark day for America. Can someone Photoshop Rodan fucking relaxing in Pelosi's chair? He's too big, Mike. He's too big. <laughs> the scale doesn't make sense. Okay, Unless we're dealing like that, close that to the attack of the fifty-foot-tall woman of like the Capitol, like nearly in flames, all the Trump signs and shit like that from those fucking Nazis. Can you just like put Rodan like on top of the Capitol with like a red hat on? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this has been Box Office Paul. Thank you so much for listening. Uh. I mean, after you go, Rodan is a chud. What what else can you say? If you've enjoyed this commentary, you can find more of us at boxofficepulp.com. We're on Twitter, at boxofficepulp. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on, uh, what are the other ones we're on, Mike? We're on Google Play now? Is that still a thing? People listen to that? We're on Google Podcasts, if that's still a thing. We're on, um, it's hard to tell with Google. Uh, we're on Amazon Music. 
So go ahead, check us out. We're around. We're desperate for your approval and your ratings and your likes. I just like to let that hang so people feel guilty. Like if you don't say anything else, they feel like they have to say something. And I'm hoping the audience is getting nervous and rating us right now. So I'll keep talking. They better. Like, they better rate us right now. music starts playing. Okay. <laughs> is any, is, rate is us. Rate us. Google gobble. Anyways, until next time, folks, that's a wrap. Get the hell out of here. No, no. There goes Tokyo. No, no, Gatsuki. Oh, yeah. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Still mad Blue Oyster Cult interrupted their rendition of that when I saw them at the State Fair so they could talk uh, shit about Wisconsin. <laughs> what? So it was it was the uh, like Wausau County Fair or whatever, and they got Blue Oyster Cult for the the you know the main headlining act for the night. It's raining, but we're still waiting for Blue Oyster Cult to play, and they they take all night to get to Godzilla because they know that's like one of the big hits. They save Don't Fear the Reaper for very last, and Godzilla is like the mid show thing to keep you going. So they start playing Godzilla, and everyone's like, "Yeah, ooh, I want to hear this!" And then they stop, and they're like, "Wait, what's that in the distance? It's big. It's green. It's it smells like cheese. Oh, it's a Green Bay Packer!" And and like just kill the momentum of the song. I don't know if they even finish it after that. So they played like a minute of Godzilla, <laughs> and then basically like made a reference to the state and called it a day. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Way to shit on the home team there. I mean, it's not necessarily like they're shitting on the home team, but he's like, this is weird. Just play the song, man. <laughs> we always wanted to hear Godzilla. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.